Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. I'm sorry I'm late. Coming to you almost live from the mind of a madman. This is the Unknown Student. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And this, I'm pointing at a gentleman to my left, is Ken Batista. A uh, serial entrepreneur, I, I should say, in Edmonton. Ken, welcome to this, the show. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, beautiful, sexy. Adequate. Odorous. Smells good. <laughs> uh, I wanted to have Ken on because not only is he one of Avenue Magazine's top 40 under 40. And we're slowly accumulating all of them on our show. Yeah, until they're like, oh, those guys had all of those people on their show. They should be in the top 40 next year. Right? That's That was the plan. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to have Ken on because he's doing really interesting stuff. And the interesting stuff itself is interesting. But what is most interesting? What Even is of, more interesting than the interesting stuff. True. What is of greater interest to all interested parties is the fact that he's doing it here in Edmonton in a manner of speaking. So, Ken, tell me a little bit about your most recent project with Discovery Kids. Um. That would be Seek Your Own Proof. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. If you go to uh, seekyourownproof.com, it's a it's a kids online community uh, where kids become secret agents and they learn about science and history uh, as agents of this fictional organization called the Central Institute for Exploration, mm. or CIE for short. Um, it was really kind of born out of you know I don't know if you ever watched uh, Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego. Did we ever You're watch? Damn right we did. That's right. Of course. <laughs> We're trying to get Rockapella to do our theme song. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty. Are awesome. you actually seriously trying to do that? No, but oh. that would be actually pretty awesome. <laughs> Rockapella, if you're listening to this, we're sorry to have let you down. And let's be fair, Rockapella is among our 30s of listeners. Probably. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what else are they doing? We're looking for the next Rockapella. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Continue. Continue. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's this online community where where kids. Every every month, essentially, they take on uh, new missions, uh, and each mission is, is basically set against a different t- type of topic. Okay. Um, whether it's uh, you know codes and code breaking, or American Revolution history, or sharks and pirates. So it's really designed for them to learn about real stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, and do it in, in a in, in a fun and interesting way. So we have both like animation and live action as well. So uh, the animated characters, we have these fictional kids that basically kind of draw. Uh, real kids into the story of of CIE. We have uh, we have villains. They're trying to steal the time travel technology that the CIE had created, and so it very much becomes this whole time travel sort of um, uh, universe. Cool. And uh, and that's what kind of sets off all of the missions and things. Have you thought about any paradoxes and what you'll do if you come across any? <laughs> well. That, yeah, we were talking about that. We're like, should they meet their future self? <laughs> and then like a rift forms. And- People die, and then the project ends. That's right. Sadly. And then the season's over. <laughs> well, the, the way that we've done it, too, is that, you know, we wanted to do it where, you know, there's a lot of kids' online games, you know, mm-hmm. like your Club Penguins and stuff like that. And and it's very much more focused around um, play and kids socializing and things online. And what we wanted to do is kind of bring story into the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's very much structured more like a like a kids' TV show. Okay. So it's episodic in nature. 
um, and there's something that they're kind of following along. So we basically have the first season, which is 10 episodes, cool. and then that'll be kind of the first sort of campaign. And you know, in every episode, there's something new that they they discover. And I'm not going to give it all away. But, no, please uh, don't. But, you know, but we've done this whole sort of you know series bible around these different things. So we're using story as a way to kind of keep kids so engaged in it all. To paraphrase, you wrote the Bible, the Bible of CIA. <laughs> oh, sorry, never mind. <laughs> no, man, that sounds really really cool. Now, is this uh, is this free for kids? Um, to, to sign up to be sort of part of the community to, to try out some of the different things it's free mm-hmm. um, but it is a, uh, a a pay per sort of you can buy each episode okay. for six ninety five, or you can buy the entire season for forty nine ninety five. Um, and what what we kind of you know um, compare it to is like if a, if a parent bought a, a video game one video game like on Xbox or something you know that's the same price as basically we're giving kids 10 episodes worth or a year's worth of content um, yeah. to kind of play and, uh, and it's educational as well. And, um, so well, yeah. and, and you're providing that community for presumably discussion between the spies on this network. Yeah. So it kind of, so beneath all of that stuff, we've kind of built in all these other sort of social kind of features where, where kids can not only, um, the more they play, we have a whole tokens based system. So, mm-hmm. uh, as, as you earn, as you complete challenges, solve puzzles, those sorts of things, you're earning these tokens, which then allows you to then purchase items, um, within the CIE, whether it's um, we have more videos, more games. Um, there's also ways for kids to be able to, you know, leave comments for each other, and and they have their own sort of profile, so they rank up in the in the in the Holy CIE cow. too. Um, so, so you have like a legion of developers working on this stuff, just by the sounds of it. No, like you guys, but it it sounds that way. I mean, you're like we'll have new content every month, and there's gonna be a guy sitting there drawing stuff, and like it sounds huge. Well, it's 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 um. And then the reason why it kind of works, because it's episodic too, it allows us to kind of fix scope around what, how much content we actually need to produce. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you'd need a big, a big, big team to kind of keep it going. So, you know, in a lot of these, as I say, virtual worlds, you have people constantly making, you know, items for their characters, little avatars, clothing, furniture, <laughs> all crashing that. the system. Yeah. Stuff. So, like in this case, it's like we know what we know what it takes to kind of produce an episode. And, uh, and then we have a core creative team here mm-hmm. in Edmonton. And then uh, we work with an animation studio in Vancouver. Uh, we have some writers down in San Francisco. And then our character artist is down in Portland. Holy cow. So, yeah. So it's really we've kind of, you know, tapped into we wanted to kind of bring on the best sort of people onto this onto this project. And everyone's really excited about it. Everyone knows Carmen Sandiego. Of course, yeah. You know, we're trying to do something really interesting too, so. That's fabulous. I have to admit I actually signed up for it on Friday. <laughs> My spy's name is Bingo Fuel. So uh, so I actually got through, you know how there's those, there, so there are these demos once you sign up, sort of how tell you or show you how to decode some of the messages you'll get. And I swear to God, I could not figure these out. Yeah. I was just like, oh. Which actually uh, leads into the question I was going to ask. Is, is it a kind of game that uh, encourages cooperative play or is it very competitive? Um, Initially, it's very much like an individualized game. You know, one of the challenges that we've had is is that it's kids under 13. So there's, you know, things like safety and, and privacy and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. Um, so there's lots of individual sort of puzzles. So, you know, the more... But this is why we've kind of integrated things like the leaderboards, like ranking. Um, and then one of the future phases is actually when we roll out the field stations program, which is the um, sending kids out into the real world to go to, like, our partner museums, for example take on different missions and actually take bring some of that stuff kind of back online. And that's sort of the next sort of phase of rollout of, of what Seeker and Proof is going to be. 
so it's a it's an online game that all like it's almost like a more online Foursquare in a way because you're going and doing stuff and yeah. checking in later, but actually doing other stuff online. Yeah. So like, because one of the things is you know we wanted to not just get kids sitting in at home in front of the computer, we're like you know go out explore the real world. Yeah. Um, I used to work at the uh, the provincial museum here in town too. Oh, okay. So you know running kids programs and and you know museums are these great sort of sources for content, um, but not a lot of kids you know visit them as much anymore, and so. But imagine now that the artifacts that are in the museum are now clues in these missions. And basically, kids can go to a museum, find all of these things, and then bring that back online and actually enter all of their things to earn tokens and, and that sort. I think that's that seems like the next logical step for museums and art galleries and stuff is to sort of give people that, you know, aside from coming to see the artifacts, the galleries or whatever, give them that extra reason to go there because... We, it seems like people need to be incentivized to do stuff now. But I mean, if you're if you've got a, a model that works, that where kids are actually going out and doing stuff, then I dare say you will attract some venture capital. That's right. Well, and you know, this is one of the things that um, in developing this, because we know that kids are are kind of multi-platform, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so the storytelling part is kind of a multi-platform thing too. So. You know, when we looked at developing CQMP, it wasn't just a website that we were going to use. You know, it's creating a sort of brand universe that, you know, so a kid, kid, a kid could come in to it through the museum program or the website or, you know, we're working on a book uh, series for it and potentially go into a television series. So this is also, I mean, this is a big reason why Discovery was interested in getting involved with it right. as well. So they could see the potential of all that you were doing. They could see that it was Carmen San Diego 2.0. How has the reaction been just in general from parents from kids from investors i don't know what how has uh has the reaction been to this idea yeah well we just we just launched it um about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. and uh, and this is really the first time you know we had a few thousand kids in there right now kind of using it some adults <laughs> in there uh, too. i i don't agree i'm not an adult <laughs> So this is the, really the first time that we've seen, you know, kids kind of like using this stuff and playing. Like, you know, we, we had done sort of smaller beta trials mm-hmm. with people. And so, you know, this first sort of six to eight weeks has been about sort of refining what the whole user experience has been. Um, what should we, you know, lock behind paid and unpaid, um, those sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, But generally, like the, the premise of everything, everyone's been really excited about it from parents to you know, investors. And, and that's probably a big reason as we were pitching this thing for the last, you know, two years, essentially, um, people kind of got what we were trying to do with this thing, which is it's more than just a kid's online game. We want to tie in the museum part. And it was a matter of sort of how do we pull all those things together where there's a real business that's there still? Like, you know, so we have a clear sort of business model. Yeah. It's not an advertising supported thing. Um, but we, you know, the big challenge for us was how do we get it in front of kids too, and that's why partnering with a brand like Discovery was part of the strategy. Yeah, too. Oh, and that's huge. Like when I heard that, I was like, "Holy shit, Ken's a big deal! It's it's really happening." And and you know, is it, by my reckoning, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I will not presume to be completely plugged into the scenes in Edmonton. But it was like you came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, there's this dude, Ken Batista, who's got this thing that Discovery is partnering with him on. And oh, by the way, he does these seven other things. Did you know he gets less sleep than Mac Mayo? Like, it, it just, it was, it's awesome. It's so cool to see someone who's decided to do it from Edmonton. 
even though you, you've got partners sort of around North America. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, and I think one of the big things, like, as we were developing this, like, most of our, where we were pitching these things was actually outside of the city. Yeah. You know? And our whole thing was, like, you know, we can be an Edmonton company, but we're working on a sort of world-class project. And, um, you know, so, like, one of the first sort of award things we won was at the Kids Screen Summit in New York, which is the um, sort of the... the uh, largest kids entertainment industry event in North America. So basically, like all your, all your Cartoon Networks, Disney's, all the new kids shows are pitched at it. Uh, and here we were. We uh, we won their big sort of pitch competition in terms wow. of, uh, in front of like fifteen hundred people. How's all it going, executives. eh? That's right. We've got this game, eh? It's so good. <laughs> and they totally thought that it was good. just because of that premise of like you know, there's a lot of people pitching kids TV shows. I'm sure. You know, but it's the same model, right? It's like, well, kids aren't even watching shows in the same ways. They're watching them online. They don't even watch. You got PVR. You got video on demand. You got all these sorts of things too. Well, in a lot of the more successful uh, shows nowadays, and this comes from working in a gaming store for a couple years. Uh, have some sort of tie-in, whether it be toys. And it was even true back in the 80s. Transformers was not a great cartoon, let's be fair. But it was a cartoon that was designed to sell toys of cars that turned into robots. And it was a good cartoon, I don't care what you say. But the point is, it was successful. Kids loved cars that turned into robots because of that that cartoon. He-Man was a cartoon that was designed to sell toys. G.I. Joe, She-Ra, everything that was out. Basically every cartoon you watched as a kid, Adam, and I watched yes. as a kid was to sell us a toy. But the and times... it's true, and it's true now, except that they've they've almost gotten more sophisticated. Yeah, oh, totally. And now it's tying into video games. They're tying into card games. Card games, friggin' popular all over the place. Pokemon and Digimon and everything else with a Mon suffix added to it. <laughs> Yavan. So... It, no, you're absolutely right. That's that's kind of almost what an investor would be looking for for a new kids cartoon totally. or or brand would be something that would have all of these other disparate elements that can that can build it up that can turn it into this big gestalt thing. And the the upsell is that uh, it's educational. Obviously. Yeah, like that's that I makes mean, the parents love it too. Well, exactly. Well, and this is the big challenge right now for like you know in the film television realm right now like a lot of things that I, I get asked to speak at is to film and television producers yeah and you know re, there's this new kind of term out there which is this this transmedia sort of brand which is basically you know you have these new breeds of storytellers that are able to tell a story through all of these you know that you have all these different parts whether it's a comic book or the toy but all of it sort of feeds into the into the brand and, and the narrative universe that's there um and those are the producers that are you know we think are going to kind of do well, kind of moving forward. And, you know, all of the broadcasters, for example, if you're pitching them a show, you need to have, you know, a strategy for what you're going to do online, you know, those sorts of things. And we, with Seek Your Own Proof, we really didn't want to do a TV show either because as the producer, we actually own 100% of this IP. Really? Right? Yeah. So essentially when you when you go and pitch to, uh, you know, a broadcaster, if you have your show, you know, you might be giving up some of your rights to that and how you further develop it in the other arenas. Whereas our approach is, let's build the online audience for it first, build this like legion of kids out there that understands the brand and it gets all the characters. And then when we want to do a show, you'd have a lot more sort of leverage because you're also bringing a built-in audience to it. So is the partnership with Discovery sort of the their assistance to help disseminate this stuff and then also the option to produce all this other media relating to it? Yeah, so it, it was a, this was an unprecedented deal for, for uh, Discovery Kids too. Like, you know, usually in a, in a licensing deal, um, you know, the, the licensor 
uh, pays them to basically use their brand. Mm -hmm. uh, in our case, we were like, well, we're not going to do that. Um, but they really liked our product so much because they were looking for something for their sort of digital strategy. Uh, because right now they had their TV uh, channel and they had a whole bunch of shows. And then they had their website, which is really just to sell the shows, the TV shows. Yep. And so they wanted better engagement with kids sort of in the brand. And so when we kind of came calling, or, you know, it was a quick sort of cold intro. I found their brand manager. Uh, I said I was coming to New York. And I said, you know, do you have like 20 minutes to kind of look at what we're doing? And this was right after we won Venture Prize. Okay. So between April and November is when we closed this. That's how, that's how fast we closed wow, this deal. Wow, man. Yeah. So, so they were, we, it, was, it was a matter of the right timing. They were looking for something. We came up with a structure of how it would work. So essentially, uh, what it is is, you know, um, the more kids that they throw at it, the more kids that we kind of collectively sign up, we all win. There's revenue that's there, so we do revenue sharing mm -hmm. um, around it. Um, but it's the discovery sort of media machine. So I mean, it gives us access to, um, you know, the video on demand channels, broadcast, the books they got publishing, retail. So that's wicked. All I all I heard from that was we're collecting kids. <laughs> I don't know what for. An unholy sinister, army? sinister purposes. There are, so, sure. there are agents. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah, sure. So he, he's yeah. actually training an army of spies, <laughs> an army of time traveling spies. Yes. You know what? Yeah. That th there are going to be conspiracy theories about this on the Wikipedia. That'll be like that. Seek your own proof is just a, it's a spy training program. And you know what? That's because uh, Adam here has actually added that to the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah I'm yes. actually doing it right now on my iPhone. Well, it's so. it's great. All of the storyline has kind of come from like my love for like X Files and. Fringe oh, and like awesome. Alias and all these things, sort of things. So it's like I'm like, okay, what kind of you know backstories can we kind of put into this whole thing too? And because we wanted it to kind of be a still a smart sort of series as well. So there's going to be some surprises kind of along the way. Okay, I know I know for a fact that among our 30s of listeners, there are some parents who have younger kids who would certainly be in your demographic who should not be listening to this show, but. But their parents might listen to this show. So the point is, uh, there are parents who listen to the show. I know that because I have friends who listen to the show. They are parents. They have kids who would be in your demographic. What is the show, like, about? Sell them on the show. What's going on? Yeah, uh, I say the show, but the, your own proof. I say the show, but I mean the site, the yeah. what have you. What's going on? What is kind of the, the story about um, what... Who are who are some of the characters? Who are some of the bad guys that the kids need to watch out for? Why What's should, going on? Why should I allow young Scotty Bourgeois to play this game? That's right. That's right. That's what I want to know. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it essentially follows the, the the story of a of a trio of siblings and uh, uh, the Monroe kids. And uh, what's happened is um, a few years back, their their father went missing, who secretly. Well, no, I'm not even gonna say that because I was like, spoiler alert. That's right, spoiler. <laughs> I can't say that. Um, but anyway, uh, these kids then kind of come uh, into and this and rediscover the CIE, which had been de decommissioned kind of a few years back, and uh, so they become um, recruited to become sort of the new agents to revive the agency. And so, as kind of part of that, they have to now recruit new kids to kind of help them do that uh, against this enemy agent, who's now uh, her name is Frostbite. Ooh, so Canadian. It's totally yes, right? <laughs> Her real identity, no one really knows. Okay. But um, what she's after is this time travel technology called the Eospheres, uh, which is which is a CIE technology that was created that allows for time travel. So back in the glory days of the CIE, uh, agents used to jump around time just to observe what was happening in history, but not to really mess around with stuff. 
But then you had all these shadow agents that actually wanted to steal this technology and use it for themselves. And so what happened was um, the CIE was decommissioned and the founders of the CIE hid these eospheres and entrusted them with uh, the guardians, which are historic figures in time who um, are secretly kind of holding these, this time travel technology. And so the new sort of generation of kids now has to figure out who all of those Eosphere guardians are, um, therefore discovering new f famous figures, learning about time, and stopping Frostbite and her enemy agents from getting to them first. That is quite possibly the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, I, I will not lie, if this had been around when I was a lad, I would totally have been playing that. Oh, for sure, man. Because that sounds awesome. Well, I mean, I started playing it. <laughs> I won't pay. You I did. will not no, pay you won't for pay. it. That's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's, no? only, it's only forty nine ninety five. <laughs> You're like, oh, I guess I'll do it. It's the same price as like a magazine <laughs> subscription or. Uh... Dad, can, can you pay for this? Yeah. But you know, honestly, like, I mean, and our research has found too that you know parents are already paying for stuff for kids, oh, even totally. if it, even if it's crappy, right? <laughs> and um, so you know, the fact that we're we're coming in there, it's it's educational, it's entertaining from the fact that there's an actual kind of character, there's a story there. And that it's also then has the discovery brand on it, which then adds that sort of credibility and the trust that that brand kind of brings. Um, now, do do the players, the kids who are uh, taking part in this, do they get to interact with some of the characters so that it really kind of immerses them in this universe? Yeah, because the, the, the whole idea is basically like you are an agent of the CIE. So, you know, it's up to you to basically help. Um, the characters are the field team. So they're the ones that can actually go travel in time. Um, but we also have live-action characters who actually act as... Do you remember the chief in Carmen Sandiego? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. So, she sadly is no longer no, with us. No, she's not. No, no. But she we have like... multiple chiefs. Oh. And the idea was we wanted to seed real people because this is still like, you know, a kid is a real kind of... And this is actually kind of happening. Um, so we have live-action characters that actually brief the kids, give them all the background intel in terms of what's going on. Um, but, for example, this is one of the, the, the great sort of opportunities with Discovery is tie-ins to some of their personalities. Right. So we're actually, like right now, um, Discovery News actually shoots these pod these podcasts. And so three of the hosts are going to be secret agents of the CIE. And they're going to be doing part of the brief. So that's how we're integrating the Discovery brand into the whole yeah. storyline, too. I know, I, I will know that Ken is exceedingly wealthy when the dudes from Mythbusters appear on Seek Your Own Proof. That's, that's yeah, we we requested that one. Oh, totally. Why <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you? That's, that's the holy grail. Yes. just be like, yes, yes. Uh, we, we've been going through time blowing shit up. And it's <laughs> awesome. I think the best part when uh, it was one of the last meetings we had at Discovery headquarters in, in uh, Maryland. And so we're sitting in their boardroom, and it's basically... We're sitting in there, and there's these posters of the in, on the wall: Mythbusters, Deadliest Catch, Mike Road, Dirty Jobs, like all these guys. And like you know, and it's gonna be you know, seek your own proof as their sort of newest sort of kids thing. So that's wicked, man! Uh, uh, congratulations, well done. This is what we call a smooth transition, because <laughs> I think we've uh, we've covered seek your own proof, and and uh, everyone should be. Logging in right now, SeekYourOwnProof.com. Or at the very least, uh, logging in their children to Seek That's Your right. Own Proof. That's right. And we're actually just about to roll out the new sort of, you know, because we, we had this sort of test for the last six to eight weeks. And um, so this week we're actually rolling out the new stuff. Cool. Yeah. So. SeekYourOwnProof.com. you got to check it out. But Ken is also involved in a whole pile of other things in Edmonton. And one of the reasons that I know you is because Carrie Williams, who is another top 40 under 40 and a former guest on this show, uh, introduced us because of... Uh, art scene, Edmonton. Now, so so you've built this thing. You've built this this online game for kids. You've decided to do it in Edmonton. 
and art scene is the is another thing that you're trying to do for Edmonton. So can yeah. you explain what art scene is for our listeners? Yeah, so so I guess the well, there's the 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 three things that I kind of connect because they they are all totally connected. And I I'm pretty but, sure that they're listed right that's here. Right, right? That's yeah. right. That's okay. right. Yeah. And and there is a strategy you know around this and that's that includes so art scene Edmonton, startup Edmonton, and then uh, TEDx Edmonton, which is the thing that we just put on. Um, one of the challenges that, that that I had, you know, as we were developing CIE and, and sort of building the network outside of Edmonton, like for example, our advisory board for Secure and Proof is made up of people all from outside of Edmonton. Okay. So some people from Vancouver and things like that. Um, I would travel to these other places, meet all these sort of great people in these different communities, you know, whether it was like Vancouver or San Francisco or Seattle or, you know, these places where you're meeting other entrepreneurs, other creative people, other sort of like, you know, people in our demographic. And there's this really exciting sort of vibe. And then I would come back to Edmonton and I would be like, this sucks. <laughs> there's no there's vibe. nothing really that's kind of going on. Or you got to work really, really hard yeah. to find that and to find these people. And so, you know, about a year ago, um, I started, um, it was it was a panel that I spoke on at the Canadian Art Summit um, in Banff. And it's this is to all the sort of... Um, CEOs and board chairs for the 50 largest uh, arts organizations in Canada, and so I was on the uh, the, the next gen panel, and um, I don't Don Tapscott who wrote Wikinomics. Was oh, our, I know the name. Yes. Yeah. So he was the he was our moderator, and we were kind of basically talking about how you know next gen sort of people are cha- going to change sort of you know arts and culture, and we need to be a little bit more engaged in terms of what's going on. And so I met uh, um, the CEO of Business for the Arts, which is the parent organization for Art Scene. And right. so Art Scene is a group uh, that started in Toronto that was all about sort of engaging uh, young creative and business professionals under 40 through the arts. Um, and so they would put on different events like, you know, like a behind the scenes with like the opera, different social events, really just to kind of build that community yeah. of young people. Um, and then it went to Halifax. And, and then... Uh, I said, okay, well, well, let's start it up in out west, and they were looking for something. And um, I used to be the president of Digital Alberta, mm-hmm. um, so had a couple of years sort of experience, kind of figuring out how to, you know, in this community building thing. Um, and so saw art scene as an opportunity to bring to the city to sort of rally people together around not just the arts, but I always, you know, my big thing is also the the creative industry. Sure, you know. And has it been successful from your from your perspective? Well, absolutely. I mean, we you know just looking back, like we have we're not even a year old. You know, we are we we broke a thousand already in terms of people who have come to our different events. That's wicked. Um, we um, are putting on the, the feedback that we're getting from people is they're really excited about this stuff because you know when you're a young professional, you know you're not a student anymore. You might have a young family. You still want to do something, mm-hmm. right? And it's not always like you want to go out and like party on like White Ave or whatever all the time. Yeah, right? that gets old pretty fast. It does. It does. <laughs> and you want to do something that's a little bit, you know, I don't say just like sophisticated or whatever, but you know something a little bit more interesting too. And so the events that we do are designed to to kind of do that. So if it's an, so we have pure social events like our art scene parties. So we do two a year, um, and we I think we had over two hundred come to each each of those different events. Yeah. And we'll feature like live music artists, some visual artists at that. And it's just a really kind of cool sort of night. Um, and then we'll do behind the scenes events, which are um, we've so we've partnered with like the Edmonton Opera, Edmonton Symphony, the New Art Gallery, Alberta Ballet, and the Citadel for our first sort of five. And actually to get all five of those as the flagship organizations already bought in in our first year was, I think, pretty good. Yeah, man, that's huge. Um, and they, because they are all looking for their next generation of patrons 
and people, subscribers, you know, people that are going to invest in their in their organizations too. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of see art scene as the sort of direct connection to young people for that. Uh, and then we do something called board link, which is like it's like a speed dating thing to match make uh, arts boards and young professionals. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we did that one uh, late last year. A surprising amount of sexual harassment cases came out of that event. <laughs> I heard. It's just what I heard. Now, now, uh, uh, you guys, and so art scene. Let me see how how does this work. So art scene and these two other things that you mentioned, startup Edmonton and TEDx Edmonton, are all related. Now. Most recently, you did a you did a TEDx event in Edmonton. I, I do want to talk about that, but let's talk about Startup Edmonton first because that happened just a few weeks ago. If I'm not yeah, we mistaken. just yeah we just launched that. Uh, our first event was in um, December. Oh, okay. I yeah, didn't... we had a we had like a startup drinks. Right, right. It was a social event. Right. Uh, and then launch party Edmonton was our sort of flagship sort of coming out sort of party. Um, and so, what was involved in the set, this launch party event? There were um, well, maybe I'll back it. So so. Art scene was kind of our how do we build the creative community, sure. you know, and kind of get that going. So startup is kind of focused on now the entrepreneur side and sort of the, you know, not just tech startups. I mean, mostly we're focused on tech startups right now because that's kind of who's involved, mm-hmm. uh, but just entrepreneurship in general. So like if I started a restaurant, you might want to have me. You could because, I mean, like, you know, doing a start a startup is a startup, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you you being able to kind of find other sort of entrepreneurial people to learn from is a big part of what we want to do we want to you know bring mentorship into the fold um you know and so we get more people doing startups instead of working to go work for somebody else sort of thing too and um you know and this is why i say strategically the biggest things that we're trying to do is um, is have a more creative community in edmonton and a more sort of you know entrepreneurial sort of community and the two totally go hand in hand in my mind agreed and that was finish your statement evidenced by what took place at the TED event that you guys did, which yeah. was phenomenal and worth every penny. And anyone who thinks it wasn't has their head lodged firmly up their rectum. And on that pleasant note, we're going to take a short break. Have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast? Well, this is your opportunity. The Unknown Studio is looking for advertisers. If you're interested, contact Adam at theunknownstudio.ca or Scott at theunknownstudio.ca, and this space could be filled with your ad. Now, back to the show. And we're back. I would like to take this opportunity to thank... Our sponsor for the last two months, the, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. That's right. We tricked those ink-stained wretches into sponsoring our show in exchange for listing their Edmonton Journal Blackberry Launcher, with I'm, which I am pleased to say Scott has on his Blackberry. It's true. Factually, it is there. And it is loading it right now. Now, the reason this is funny is because for the last two shows, I'm like, why haven't you downloaded it? The link's on our website. And look at that. Wow. Isn't the, that fancy? That is. The mobile version of the Edmonton Journal. Just just look at it, dear listener. Yeah. You can hear my phone <laughs> making noises right there. That's the Edmonton Journal making that sound. That's correct. They need a and, uh, <laughs> it uh It truly is glorious. No, seriously, though. It's uh, it's a fine app. Uh, it gives you all the journal news easily accessible right there on your smartphone and uh, is absolutely worth checking out. And now that we sound like corporate shills... Which we are, let's be fair. I'd like to remind you to read the Edmonton Journal. 
find local publication. Absolutely. Now, uh, while we're on the topic of Edmonton, if not journals, um, <laughs> can you... Uh, you've had a lot of great ideas, basically. You've uh, done a lot of uh, interesting things. Why are you still here? <laughs> like, you just mentioned that uh, a few moments ago that while you were cruising around like a, like a millionaire playboy, visiting Discovery kids, executives all over the world, that you, that you were in all these places, you were talking to all these people, and then you came back here, and you're, you mentioned your team is spread out across North America, but here you are in Edmonton talking to us today. Why? What, what about Edmonton has kept you here? Yeah, because you said uh, you'd go to these places, and then you'd come back and be like, oh. Yeah. So why are you still here? Well, I mean, if, first and foremost, this is our hometown. Okay. You know, my family's There's here. definitely something to that. that. It is. It is the and there's that hometown pride, right? And I think, two, and this is a big reason why I wanted to start these things and kind of get involved more is, I think the people here are great, and and even, these events that we're doing are are bringing more people out of the woodwork, and I sense this sort of you know this energy and kind of passion coming from the people here, um, in our demographic for sure, mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't necessarily seen in in other sort of communities as well. You know, I think that, uh, you know, the as long as I have access to a cell phone, the internet, and I can jump on a plane, I can, you know, be headquartered here sort of thing. And um, and I don't see, and that could be for anything, right? So it then comes back down to the quality of life factor, who's my community, uh, family, friends, those sorts of things too. So, and we're starting to really see a lot more stuff kind of happening in our city too. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The, the decision, but the decision to stay in Edmonton still, I think a lot of people are puzzled by it. By way of example, I was looking at the Edmonton, I was searching Edmonton on Twitter today and someone said uh, something like, in spite of the fact that the art gallery isn't that bad looking, the rest of downtown is still horrendous. And my response was, well, in order to make it not horrendous, you have to start building things like the art gallery. And then he made some retort about how we need to get rid of hobos. But anyways, the point is that it takes, a, it takes a certain kind of person, it takes an entrepreneurial person and a creative person to decide to stick it out here because you could look around yourself and be like, this, there's, it's, there's nothing worth staying for. Yeah. And I, I used to be that kind of person. Now I'm firmly in the corner of Edmonton. It may not be where I live for the rest of my life, but it will always be home and it will always be one of those places I come back to and I'd like to leave it better than I found it. That's right. That's my tirade. That's a raid That's really good. of ties. Well, and you know, and, a, and I think a big part too is that people will talk about things like we need more, you know, of the buildings and more giant events yeah. and stuff like that. And I think, I think a big part that just really keeps me is is that community part. Is the you know, it's the people, right? And totally. you know, those are the people that make me want to actually stay here. And uh, no building is gonna, you know, <laughs> sp- like for example, like all of the things that we're doing. Like, oh, do you need office space? You know, our company is like four people. We we were we were working out of, out of our homes for like you know two years where we basically said we don't actually need an office, we can work virtually and that's just the nature of how companies are these days anyway. Yeah, right. That's true. So, so it's more a matter of like you know how do we meet other entrepreneurs and other people sort of creative people in our community and and so the events that is the big reason why you know doing things like art scene and startup and stuff is I mean it's really just for me not just <laughs> to to meet really cool people. Yeah, that's basically why we do this podcast. It, yeah, I mean, it's the, it is kind but of the same thing. Everybody says that, though. They just want to meet, you know, really other interesting people around town. And, and Edmonton is filled with a plethora of interesting people. 
I is what ar- we have certainly discovered. Well, yeah, and, and maybe not more than anywhere else, but it certainly feels that way sometimes. Yeah. You know, like people people here are just eager to sort of share their stories and 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 uh, collaborate with others here. Yeah, well, and, and I think now what we you know what we're wanting to do. I mean, that was a big reason why we did TEDx, and same with Startup Edmonton. Like we had, so we had this launch party, right? And it was showcasing you know ten entrepreneurs, ten companies actually doing stuff yeah. um, in Edmonton, and it's to basically actually show people that you know there's actual people doing some really cool stuff on a on a sort of world class sort of level that are here in the city. And we don't like to talk about that a lot. You know, there's this, this idea where we got to be really modest about kind of things. And, and we're like, no, you know what? People are doing some really interesting things and we should show it and we should talk about that because that is going to attract more people to the community. Oh, absolutely. And make you want to stay here too. That's the that's what this the TEDx event made me feel like. Um, so for those of you who don't know, there are these things they do called TED Talks. And um, TED, TED stands for Technology. Entertainment Design. Yeah. So, and they're basically a series of lectures. They started them back in the '80s. There, are many of them, if not most of them, are now available online at TED.com. And they're just like you get 18 minutes. You stand up there and you give a lecture and a slideshow about something you're interested in. And really, I mean, as far as I know, those are really the only parameters, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's 18 minutes to say something profound. Yeah. And it, it was ideas worth spreading. Ideas worth spreading is the tagline. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, so Art Scene and TEDx did this thing together, and they, they had their first event. By the time you hear this, it'll be just over a week ago. And um, at first, I was like, $100 to sit through lectures all day? This is honestly what I was thinking. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I've, I had never seen a TED talk before, but I'd heard about them. Like, people talk about them all the time. So I went, and I met a whole bunch of really cool people, and I got to hear some really, really interesting stuff that's happening in Edmonton, that's happening that Edmontonians who've left and gone and done other things are doing. And it was just a real eye-opener. For $100, I got to see, God, how many was it? Like 10, nine speakers. And it was worth every freaking penny. It was brilliant. I want to go to the next one because I'm assuming you guys are going to have one. (laughs) And, And you got some props from Ted. We did. Ted gave you props. Yeah, from the founder and curator of TED. And he doesn't do it. Like, I wanted to look because we got a, we got a, uh, he Twittered about it. And yeah. he said, he, he said, um, he commented on somebody's post. He said we had stunning stage design, great lineup of speakers. Um, and he doesn't say that for everybody. No. <laughs> because there's TEDx events sort of happening, kind of springing up all over the, the world now. I think there's about 400 TEDx events wow. now. Um, and from, so from everywhere sort of thing. And the idea of the whole TEDx program was, and this is, this is why kind of the, the brilliant part was, we, they wanted to take the TED experience, which was before was, you know, I think it was like, so it was $5,000 to go to an actual TED event. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So, but, oh you're, but you're hearing me speak, you know, the, yeah, like oh, Al yeah. Gore's and, um, but it's like people still want to spread ideas, be inspired. And so they said, well, take the TED brand and run your own sorts of events kind of within it. Uh, and then they give you some parameters. So things like, you know, it's got to be the 18-minute TED format, TED Talk format. Um, we're limited in terms of how many people can actually kind of show up at it. Yeah, explain that to me. So your first event, you could only have 100? Yeah. And then what, what can you do for subsequent events? We can do as many as we want now. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it, it, the, the idea is that, you know, you're proving that, that A, you can run, a, run an event. Um, and, but we are also kind of d- debating now. Um, how much bigger we would actually go with it. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I, I'm kind of, 
I don't want to go to like a, you know, five or 600 sort of size because, you know, you, it, I think a big part of it is that intimacy that the attendees get. You get to mix with the speakers and you don't get that when you have like, you know, three, 400 people at, at an event. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we do things like the live webcast so people can still, you know, kind of uh, get involved there. I think we did a really good job this year in terms of the makeup of the people that actually came. Um, it was great because I think I didn't know 80% of them, which is great. Neither did I. It yeah. was phenomenal. And I think that that's always an awesome thing. Like anytime we do an event, whether it's an art scene or, or startup, or when I see when I see like people that I don't know, I love that because yeah. that's what you want because we know we're then reaching new people. Yeah, no, it was. So you selected attendees based on applications, right? Yeah. Yeah. Y- you guys, not Ted. Not Ted. No. Okay. Yeah. Basically, like Ted just kind of lends the brand and, mm. and basically says, here's some parameters that you have to, to do. Um, and then we decide that we're going to do a full day event. And, and we, Art Scene, we wanted to do this creative summit when we first started kind of talking about things. And uh, when we found out about sort of the Ted program, we're like, well, here's a great opportunity to use an existing brand that everybody knows. And then we made the theme what we would have themed our, that's why it was cultivating the creative economy. Okay. Right. And that's why, you know, there are things like creative entrepreneurship. So all these things that we wanted to, and we wanted to use TEDx as sort of the springboard to kind of get this sort of uh, ideas and these energy, this is energy sort of going. So um, how many people actually applied to, to be audience members? Over 300. And that's phenomenal. How many speakers applied? And actually, that was lower than I thought it was going to be. Really? It was interesting because we, so we're about, I think, 700, just over 700 fans on, on, on Facebook. For like, Artsy? This for, just for TED. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and this was in a span of like, you know, a couple of months. And basically, our, our mailing list is almost at 1,000. Um, people know what it's all about. And actually, we, we just started one new event in partnership with the U of A Alumni Association. Uh, and they're called TED Talks at Lunch. And it's basically where, we're, where, we'll, where we'll show a TED Talk at lunchtime downtown and it's free and it basically is just a monthly thing that we can do to just get again people talking about some interesting cool things that's that's really cool so uh when's the next the next one is uh uh, well the next ted talks at lunch is is uh i think it's going to be the last wednesday it's march 31st is the next one and that's at enterprise square uh you know we we had to move it because we made it open to 100 people because we sold out the other one in like two hours. Right. I mean, it's free, but we don't have limited ticket space too. Um, so this one is at the uh, the library, the public library oh, downtown. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, and then we'll kind of see how it, where it goes. The next TEDx Edmonton will probably be a, a year from now. Um, so, but we can get going on, on that now too, so. And, and for those of you who are interested in seeing what TED's all about, like I said, go to TED.com, and I understand that pretty soon the Edmonton Talks will be available? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we recorded everything. We're editing right now. Yeah. Even the crashing parts. Yeah, there was a, there was a part of this event where uh, be, behind the, the seats, the audience seats, sort of up top they were tiered and at the top of the tier was the uh, the soundboard and and techs doing their thing and one of the, the table legs gave out and this table fell sort of forward onto the people in the back row and and uh and they were sort of left there holding the table up meanwhile the monitors fell over those people and onto the the second last row so it was a bit of a kerfuffle yeah. during the last speech but man did you guys ever recover well from yeah that? you know what and this is the, the, we not only had good feedback from the attendees but from the speakers too you know we invited these speakers um and they're doing some you know awesome stuff sort of like astronaut like, stuff yeah 
or like 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 Andrew Hessel's was the open source biology. Oh, you know, man. The, that was actually one of my kept, favorite talks. Yeah, uh, and then Sean Stewart, who was the last one, he talked about transmedia. I mean, he was like the pioneer of alternate reality gaming. So, you know. We, we brought these guys here, and, and some of them had already experience with other TED sort of events. And they were saying how, like, like uh, Cameron, um, uh, Cameron Harold, who talked about raising kids to be entrepreneurs. Oh, and that was my second was a favorite. Great one. Yep. Yeah. He, um, he went to TEDx Vancouver. Okay. And he, did, he said that we did such a you know, fantastic job, you know, just in terms of how the speakers think. You know, it, it's always funny when, um, when you start to see kind of how everything kind of comes together in terms of, like, the speaker lineup. Because we toiled over that speaker lineup. Because we had uh, we we direct and handpicked some, and we invited some direct, and then we also got applications for speakers from the community as well. Because we wanted it to be a mix of of local and from outside, but all of them had to have some sort of connection to with Edmonton, whether they're from here or they did business here or you know something like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so it, it we were really happy with how it all kind of turned out. So yeah, no, it was a so such a good event. There was an event. Um, the night before TED called ALX. Yes, which I didn't get an invite to. So a <laughs> so, uh, couple of guys on Twitter uh, here in Edmonton started ALX. And it was basically just like, we're not going to TED, like poking fun at TED. And it was just them getting together and drinking beers. But I understand Hence that, ale. Hence oh. ale. I understand that a few people actually came thinking it was something. Oh. Other than just a booze fest. Now, I have been, I was so inspired by TED and I have been inspired by events like Pecha Kucha that Edmonton Next Gen does that I actually emailed Dave Cornway, who helped set up ALX, and was just like, I honestly think we should seriously do something like this once a month, almost like a Toastmasters thing, show up at a bar, spend five minutes, whoever wants to speak, pontificating and just, just practicing or, or you have something interesting to say, it's something funny that you're doing. As long as it's not crazy, you know, like we don't want people who are totally bonkers being like the, you know, uh, aluminum foil hats kind of thing. But, but you know, I want TED to happen again now. Like I want it now because it was so cool. Well, and like we had, so we had over 50 speaker applications. Holy crap. So, so, you know. That's amazing, man. That's (laughs) so so cool. We have all these great speakers that we're not, you know, and then that we want to find a forum for them too so you know you talk and, and again this is the great thing that I love about Edmonton is the fact that we are all talking to each other so you know like Petch Cooch is a, you know, a great platform for that so we, we'd like to actually forward some of our we've been talking to those guys about you know how do we get some more speakers to kind of talk about things because Petch Cooch is again a great sort of event yeah. for that sort of thing um, and other TEDx sort of groups they actually do sort of ongoing live events too, where they'll have one or two sort of speakers. Okay. So we're kind of exploring different formats with that. But I think the great thing is that now everyone knows what the TEDx Edmonton sort of brand is. Um, and now everyone just wants to, you know, kind of do something with it. So we want to see it sort of, we'll see how it grows. Oh, you will. This is, this is the one downside of having a podcast is you can only hear us talking about stuff. But I just want to say that uh, you would not believe how excited Ken is to talk about all this stuff that he's involved in. And it is actually really refreshing. And that's not to say that we've spoken to boring people before. <laughs> it's just, it shows that you have uh, a passion for what you're doing and you have a passion for kind of uh, for Edmonton. Edmonton? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. And it's it's very refreshing to see that you're, you're like, I'm from Edmonton, I'm working in Edmonton, and 
I've got all these great ideas, <laughs> and I want to share them with the world because I'm so excited about it. I just imagine that previous business owners, entrepreneurs who go out into the world, the people are like, where are you from? Western Canada. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm from Western Canada. We're from, from Canada. Yeah. That's Vancouver, so yeah, good enough. Good enough. You don't know how many times I've been to one of these things, and they're always surprised that we're from Edmonton. They're like, oh, well, we thought you'd, you were from Vancouver or Toronto. <laughs> For sure, like that's just how you. That's people. where that's where people from Edmonton usually go. That's right. In you know, as recently as a few years ago, but maybe not so much anymore. But I think that that's why we want to do some of the things that we're talking about is like putting Edmonton on the map. Whether it's the people, the things that we do here, and really show that something's happening. Like the fact that we got a shout out from Ted, for example, of, of the four hundred sort of places that Ted, you know, they commented on TEDx Edmonton. Oh Which man, is great. that was huge. You know, um, and these speakers that go off to stuff, they're just going to be basically selling that something great happened in Edmonton. Um, you know, our entrepreneur, like, and I think that this is the thing, like you take startup, for example, the more successful entrepreneurs we can have, the better it is because it brings more exposure to the community. It brings more investment potential into the community. Um, we, we get better entrepreneurs as a result as well. Yeah. So. And we can't sit here waiting for the government to be like, okay, we'll cultivate the creative class now. That's our new mandate because it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to take people like you, people like us doing stuff for someone in the government to finally be like, oh, okay, someone else is doing it. So now I have to get on board so I can get votes. That's right. Well, and you know what? And I think that that's kind of the thing that, I, that I'm sensing right now is that kind of our generation is really starting to kind of take control of where we want our community to be. Mm -hmm. For the kind of the longest time, it's been very much government-driven sort of, you know, where should we be? And I look at it from, an, say, an industry perspective. You know, everything we do should be industry-led, entrepreneur-led, you know, because that's who is actually in the trenches doing this stuff. Yeah. And it was interesting how when we did our first, when Launch Party Edmonton, the mix of the people that we had, we had a lot of government representatives there. I mean, we are doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, a lot of the, frankly, the economic development bodies should be doing. Um, but do they, do they know that? They do know that. Because oh, good. they're, yeah. Because they've been told. They have, and they've been calling. <laughs> and they've been showing up to those events. <laughs> they have been. <laughs> What's and this? No, and, 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 you, and you know what? That's okay because, you know, they put on programs that I think more people should know about too. But the, the big gap that they have is the actual connection to the community. And yeah. I think if that's what we're, what we're doing, then great. It is what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and it is great. <laughs> How are we doing for time, Scotty? I think we're doing well enough on time that uh, now's a good opportunity to pull out the Fast 15. I am going to whip it out for Ken Batista. You, I don't think you've ever listened to the show before, Ken, but we do this thing at the end of the show called the Fast 15. We whip out the Fast 15. It's not a euphemism for anything. All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a segment where we ask 13 standard questions of all our guests. So every guest gets the same 13 questions just to sort of mix it up. And then we ask you two wild cards at the end that are tailored for you. All right. You get two passes. Try not to use them, though. No, don't you? Okay. And you got to be fast. You don't have you gotta to be fast. You got to be fast. Okay. Scott so edits this. There's no ticking? Okay. There's no. Right. We should do that, though. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> Just be the longest ticking ever, because this segment usually takes, like, five minutes. <laughs> Anyways, so here we go. The right. Fast 15 with Ken Batista. Number one, your favorite food. Steak. Number two, your favorite color. Blue. Number three, Mac, PC, or Linux. Oh, Mac. Dogs or cats? Cats. What was your first vehicle? 
1976 Valori. Oh, nice. And it was awesome. You should be on Top Gear. <laughs> Your favorite holiday. Christmas or my birthday. His birthday counts as a holiday. It does. Because <laughs> it's a festival. It is. <laughs> it's, it's a week-long festival, apparently. Um, your favorite sport? Uh, hockey. Your favorite pastime? Stomped. My favorite pastime. Is it the iPhone? No. What was it? Ken's wife is in the studio and <laughs> she's waving this and rolling her eyes and it's technology. Really I don't know what the, that's not a pastime, but it is cybernetics. Cyber- <laughs> I don't know. Building the next. Actually, you know what is my favorite pastime? Actually, is is actually socializing with people. I'd say that's perfectly valid. It's a great pastime. You're doing Agreed. it right now. That's right. Your uh, favorite music at this particular moment? <sighs> really depend. No, actually, no. What is getting super playtime right now is this Black Eyed Peas song because I heard it during the gold medal game. Oh no! <laughs> it's that uh, I got a feeling or whatever it oh, is. Oh, don't! Why have you I done know, this? I know. See, I know. I heard. It, uh, see, yeah. Okay, hang on. Let's all get Journey in our heads, okay? Any way you want it, that's the way you need it. Any way you want it. She loves to laugh. She loves to sing. She does everything. Done. Okay. Your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie. Uh, I have so many favorite movies. Well, we have two more movie questions, so oh, you'll, do you? you'll okay. get more answers. Actually, like all of the Pixar stuff. That's actually my favorite studio. Do you find the the movies get progressively better at Pixar movies each release? Yeah, well, and... That was a loaded question. Are they excellent? I disagree, because I think Cars was actually a step back uh, yeah i don't think cars not... was very strong as compared to some of the stuff that had come before yeah. that said they've come around i mean up was clearly much better than cars yeah but well, what was exciting well I'm kind of a pixar fanboy too and so actually it was at three four years ago we got a chance to go visit the studio oh no way. yeah because we um did you wait. get to fight that lamp that, that's in their logo no they had well they had like the big monsters inc thing um <laughs> a, f- a, f- a friend of ours his name is ronnie del carmen and he was actually the head of story on um uh, up Oh, and cool. um, so, so you, we he kind of toured us around. We actually met Pete Doctor, who's the director of Up, in that too. And so you kind of get that extra sort of like, and they really care about their stuff, and that's why I really like their movies. There's a lot of um, care in, in just in terms of the details that they have in it too. So. Yeah. So Pixar movies are his favorite movie that you hate, but everyone else seems to love. That I hate. Yeah. Oh. See, that's the thing. I don't really hate a lot of movies. I like a lot of them. Really? Um, Some that you just feel neither here nor there about then. That everyone else is like, whoa, that movie was awesome. Something you like, felt was overrated. Eh. Oh. Um, this is why this segment takes long, right? I when know. People <laughs> just sit there. We presume generally that our guests have heard The Fast 15 before and know what to expect. Mm. But every, never has happened. Yeah, no. Not even once. You just every, email it to me. Every time we've presumed it, it's been a disaster. <laughs> I should have emailed it. Just, this is supposed to be spontaneous. I know. Do you want me to make up the answer for you? Robin Hood. Prince of Thieves? I like that movie. Oh, never mind. <laughs> That that is that. Okay, I'm, is it the new Robin Hood with Russell Crowe? Yes, it, let's say actually, it's, it's not even out yet. How can you hate it and think it's over hyped? Do you want to pass? I'll pass. Okay, on. the next question is a movie that you get made fun of for loving, and since you love every movie, 
Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I don't know why. <laughs> That's because it's a terrible movie. It's really bad. Because Kevin Costner is clearly from like the Midwestern United States. Whenever he doesn't even like, make oh, an hello. effort. He doesn't even make an effort at a oh, at a British like, accent. Yo, what's up? I'm totally Robin Hood. <laughs> Thieving and shit. It's all about Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman just basically eats all the scenery. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He's brilliant. (laughs) So evil. Uh, Your proudest moment. Oh. Proudest moment. Looking at his bio, he's got a lot, I should say. Your wife's here. That's right. When I got married. Of course, of course. Did you feel the love Wait, in, that, then, in that answer? Then she goes, oh, tell them the real proudest moment. <laughs> what is it? Oh. Yeah, I, do. I think I think kids can talk. Yeah, it's okay. I think kids can. Yeah, that's true. Because we, that was the, 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 That's right. And then I yeah, that's because I was so. This is the this is the the pitch competition that we. This is kids screen. The the thing in New York. Okay. Okay. You know, and you know, we were finalists for this thing, so there's four of us pitching, and it's to the you know senior executives from like Cartoon Network, Disney, you know, and here we are, this like company in Edmonton that kind of steps up, and then we win. That's wicked. And that was pretty cool. So proud indeed. Now we're on to your wild card questions. The first one. Aside from the people who spoke at TEDx Edmonton and the talks that we saw there, what's your favorite TED talk? J.J. Abrams, The Mystery Box. Ah, okay, good. Must watch that one. I, uh, I'm i going to indulge myself and share with the Unknown Studio listeners something. You need to go to TED.com and look up Jill Taylor Bolte. Bolte Taylor. Um, she, her talk is called Stroke, Stroke of Insight, and it's one of the most inspirational things I've ever watched. It was phenomenal. It's about uh, neuro anatomist who has a stroke anyways um last wild card question ken what will it take to keep you in edmonton for the foreseeable future everyone else in this community there you go that's a great answer actually so basically no one else move away yeah stay here or ken leaves or we lose ken batista that's right and uh the future of edmonton is in question at that point it's a sad that's a sad day when anyone leaves the city. Now, if people go on vacation, you won't mistake that for them leaving. No. Okay. Yeah, no, that's true. You okay. can you can be, we again, they could be from sort of everywhere. But, right. uh, yeah. Be vocal. Be part of the community. Thank you for joining us, Ken. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, we're in a, uh, a rare place uh, this week in which we don't actually have a guest or a topic finalized for our next episode. No, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but we will have a show... In two uh, weeks. In two weeks. So there you go. That's all there is to it. It'll be a mystery show. Mystery show. This time. So uh, you're, we're not going to tell you what it's about, partly because we don't even know what it's going to be if about. If you follow us on the Twitters, we'll let you know later on what it's all about. But so, it will uh, be spectacular. Yeah. Stay tuned. Ken, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yeah. It was fun. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 20. Our guest, Ken Batista, our topic, online entrepreneurs. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
Watch your back!